If you brought your Bibles with you tonight, let's open up. How many know it's good to actually open your Bible in church? Don't you think so? Read scriptures? <laughs> That's what's supposed to happen. We're going to Acts, the 24th chapter. Acts chapter 24. Acts 24, 16. Acts 24, 16, we begin a new series on our last time. And this was our our main text, verse 16. Paul said, the Spirit of God inspiring him, he said, Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. The NIV He said, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. The New American Standard says to maintain always a blameless conscience before God and before men. A conscience void of offense, a conscience clear, a conscience blameless. Now there's uh, quite a bit in the New Testament, about the conscience. And I'm I'm convinced that we haven't spent enough time on it in years past, in most of the circles I've been in. And uh, most Christians are not aware that they are to monitor their conscience closely. And they are to heed their conscience quickly and completely. So many Christians are not aware, they haven't been taught, they don't understand that their conscience is the voice of their spirit. And the Spirit of God communicates to them through their conscience. And so we began last week talking about this, and if you want to, you can, if you weren't here last week, you can go to the Word Supply and get a CD or DVD, you can go online, download the previous message and get caught up. Because each one, you know, will build on what came before. We looked last week at a couple of openings. We looked over in Luke 8, and you can turn there again. In Luke 8, the 15th verse, we looked at the story of the parable of the sower, as it's called. And we saw that Jesus talked about four types of ground, which represent four types of human heart. Hearts and the seed, which is the word being sown into each of these types of heart, and that three of the four, the word produced no results in their life. Now, people might not like to hear that, but we need to know the truth, don't we? Does everybody that hears the word get results in their life from the word? They don't. But it's not the Lord's fault. And it's not the Word's fault. It's the ground's fault. He mentions that some seed fell on the wayside ground. But it never got in the ground. It never got in the person's heart. If you look at Matthew's account and others, it says they didn't uh, understand it because it was trodden down. It wasn't treated properly. It wasn't esteemed and it wasn't understood and it never got in them. So it was over before it ever started. With that person. They heard some things, but it never got in them. 
They didn't appreciate it. They didn't value it. It never changed their life. Then he talks about the stony ground. And he said that person heard the word, received it, so it got in them. There was a point where they valued it. And he said they received it with joy. So they got excited about it. And the word began to work in them. But when some time passed, everybody say time. Time. Some time passed and they hadn't seen the fruit. The Bible said they became offended. And they had no root in themselves. They had no duration, no, no persistence. And they quit. They quit believing. They turned loose of it. And no fruit came came to bear. You know, it's we have to believe God until. You don't try these things. You do it. Right? And you do it until. People say, well, I've I've been standing for for three years. Okay. What you going to do instead of staying? Give up? Quit? (laughs) Well, I've been trying to believe God, but I've had trouble. Well, you think you wouldn't have had any trouble if you weren't trying to believe God? (laughs) You think people in the world that's not even trying to believe God, they don't have any trouble? (laughs) No, no, no. You have to have some persistence, don't you? Elsewise, you won't get results in the Word. And it won't be because the Word didn't work. It'll be because you quit. Your people say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. No, the, the psalm said concerning Joseph that until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. That's not him trying it. That's it trying him. People say, well, I tried it and it didn't work. No, it tried you and you quit. <laughs> God doesn't fail. His word does not fail. His word works. Faith works. Do you believe it? Then he mentions the thorny ground. The same thing, a person heard the word, they received it, they got excited, it began to start working inside them, they didn't see any results yet, but the Bible said the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things was too prevalent in their life, and it took the preeminence and it choked out the word. They had too much other stuff going on in their life for the word to produce results. But there was one other kind. Come on, can you read about it? Verse 15, there was another kind of ground. How many would volunteer to be this kind of ground right here? Huh? Now, it's your choice what kind of ground you are. Right? They own the good ground. Somebody say good ground. This is the only type of ground that produced any fruit, that had any results from the word. They on the good ground are they which in an honest and a good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. That word patience means perseverance. They didn't quit. They persevered. Nothing took the preeminence over the word in their life. Nothing caused them to lose sight of what the Lord told them. They didn't get preoccupied with this world stuff and lose sight of that. 
and they didn't get disgruntled uh, because a little time passed or some circumstances changed, they wouldn't turn loose. They held it inside them. They believed it. They expected and they brought forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. They saw miraculous results from the word in their life. With patience. Somebody say with patience. It's perseverance. It just means you don't quit. You just stay after it. And it describes, of all the words he could have used to describe what is good ground, he uses this word honest. An honest heart is good ground. Say it out loud. Honest heart heart is is good ground. ground. See, he could have said a whole lot of other things, but that's the one thing he said. Honest and good heart. One of the biggest descriptors of what makes a good heart good ground is honesty. Honesty. Now, when you talk about a clear conscience, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about honesty. And you're talking about being honest with yourself. If you're going to have a clear conscience, you've got to be honest with yourself. When your conscience is not clear, that's how people wind up self-deceived. Self-deluded by playing games with their self. And it's a dangerous thing to not acknowledge what you know and what you see. To pretend you don't know something. To pretend you don't see it. It's a dangerous thing not to walk in the light that you have. Because you start lying to yourself. Well, in the beginning, you know you're lying to yourself. But the problem is, you do it long enough, you can come to believe the lie is so. Now, you're deceived. When a person's deceived, do they realize they're deceived? No. That's the nature of deception. You no longer realize that what you're believing is a lie. You believe a lie is true. But who deceived you? You deceived yourself. And that's how a person's conscience can become seared. By simply not paying attention. And not being honest about the fact that your conscience is bothering you. The greatest things in our life go on inside of us, things that people around about us are not often very aware of, but God is completely aware of it. (laughs) How many know you cannot pull anything past him? He is unconnable. (laughs) Do you know what I mean by that? (laughs) You can turn on the tears and he knows. When you're just putting on. You can act like. Well I didn't know. I I wasn't sure. And he knows you knew. But the problem is. If you do it with people. You do it with him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
And you get used to doing it. And people sometimes, sadly, have grown up in families where they were taught to deceive. And where their parents before them were taught to deceive. And, you know, they just grow up with that mentality. And the world around us is full of it. So it doesn't stand out if you do it. If you tell a lie or if you deceive, a lot of the people in the world, they did it three times already this morning too. But you cannot have a clear communication with God in that condition. And you cannot have strong faith in that condition. And you cannot be good ground that gets 30, 60, 100 fold results. In that condition. We are in this world. But we're not of this world. We've been born again. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. And the father of that kingdom is the devil who is the father of lies. Right? But God is our father. The devil is not our father anymore. He's nothing to us. Right? We're nothing to him. We've been translated out of his kingdom. So we ought to be done with lying. Now it takes some mind renewal. But if you want to hear the Lord communicating to you crystal clear. Is that a desire of anybody's in here? If you want your faith to be strong and unwavering. If you want to get up in the morning and from the time you open your eyes all through the day, you just know what you need to know. You know what you need to do. You know where you need to go. You know what you need to say. You're not ambiguous. You're not wondering. You're not confused. You know. Does that sound good to anybody? That's available to every one of us. If we will get rid of all the falseness and all the junk. And have and maintain a completely clear conscience. Thank you, Lord. Go over with me, if you would, please, to to the book of James. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 17. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth. Everybody say that knows. To him that knows to do good and does it not. Didn't just say it's sin. What did it say? To him it's sin. Sin is violation of light. That's what it is. The law is light. The word is light. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. 1 John says transgression of the law is sin. And the problem with sin, two of the biggest problems with sin, is the resulting condemnation and the following death. Sin, the wages of sin, the results, the pay for sin is death. 
The Lord didn't tell us don't sin to spoil our fun. If something's sin, he's telling you don't do it. Why? Because it will kill you. Now, that doesn't mean you do it and you'll necessarily just fall dead. Adam and Eve sinned. They didn't just fall dead that moment. And yet they died. Didn't they? And there was death working in them every day. And when you sin, something dies. Death in your mind. Death in your emotions. Death in your body. Death in your finances, death in your family, death in your ministry. Sin is a terrible thing. You think about the price that had to be paid for our sin. You can see how terrible it was and is. It was the only way it could be dealt with was by Jesus going to the cross and by him literally becoming sin with our sin. That was the only way. It could be taken care of. It was through his death. Because the wages of sin is death. Condemnation is a word that a lot of folks don't understand very well. It basically means to be judged guilty. If you're condemned, you're not judged innocent, you're judged guilty. And if you're guilty, you deserve punishment. To be condemned is a legal terminology. It's like if you were accused of a crime and, and it went to court and, and uh, the jury found you guilty. That means they condemned you. They found you guilty. What comes after you being found guilty? Sentencing. Right? Sentencing. And the Bible talks about the fear of the death. When you're condemned, there's the accompanying fear that the punishment's coming. (laughs) And this is an awful way to live. It's a tormenting way to live. It is a tentative existence of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Do you all know what I'm talking about or not? When you are, you have a sense of guiltiness and you feel condemned, then even though you put on a smiley face and you try to go through, you are waiting for it to come out. You know, you're hoping it don't, but you, you know, you can't get away from that tension and that fear. And that is not being free, is it? And millions of Christians that love God are living in this pressure. Would you like to know how to be completely free from this? (laughs) Good news. Good news. It's available to us. There are two parts to it. Everybody say two. Not just one. There are two parts to being able to live free. Number one, first and foremost, is you got to have faith in the spotless, precious blood of the Lamb. (laughs) Somebody say faith Faith. in the precious 
spotless Spotless. blood Blood. of the Lamb. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And let's begin in verse 11. Hebrews 9, 11. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once unto the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Glory to God. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. If you read the rest of these chapters, you'll see that the blood of animals could not cleanse you from sin. All it could do was cover it till the next year. Saints, our sins are not covered. You hear a lot of people singing songs and making comments about their sins being covered. But no, that's old covenant. The blood of the lamb didn't cover our sins. It washed them away. If it's covered, it's still there. But when it's washed away, (laughs) you don't have to cover it. It's not there. Thank you, Lord. If the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, do what? Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hallelujah. Say it out loud, purge your conscience. conscience. Now, back up a little bit. Let's just take the time to look at this. Back up to the uh, ninth verse. He was talking about the tabernacle and the temple and the animal sacrifices and the Levitical offerings. He said that, verse 9, that was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to what? To the conscience. Those sacrifices could not give you a clear conscience. But, but, thank you Lord, the blood of the Lamb has the power Oh, thank you, Lord. To purge your conscience, verse 14 says. Purge means, uh, has to do with cleanse. To cleanse, to purify your conscience. What can wash away my sins? (laughs) Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And if you will believe that and receive that and allow his power to do that, even if you've been one of the most terrible people on the planet, you know, people have done some awful things, some cruel, inhumane, awful things. 
And you would think that having done certain things, you could, people say, well, you know, you'll be scarred for life. You know that you'll never be able to forget that or, or get over it. You might have a memory of it. But it's possible, no matter how awful it was, for your conscience not to condemn you and bother you because of your faith in the blood. Come on, are you listening? It may be so that you could have spent a thousand hours being psychoanalyzed and and every other kind of thing, and you could have taken drugs to help you try to cope with these awful experiences. But I'm telling you, if the blood of bulls and goats couldn't cleanse your conscience, pills can't cleanse them either. And no amount of talking from people will cleanse it. But the blood of the Lamb has the power to do what nothing else, nobody else can. That blood can purge, cleanse, purify your conscience. Your conscience. Your conscience. Everybody in here has done things that you wouldn't necessarily want everybody in the church here to know that you've said and done. Everybody in here. And I've made mistakes, just like you have. But you can't make me feel ashamed for them. The mistakes I've made, whether it was last year, whether it was a teenager, years ago. Why? I'm either clean or I'm not. Come on, are y'all with me now? I'm either washed, forgiven, and cleansed, or I'm not. And if when the Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and Jesus, the head of the church, when if they look at me and they don't see that sin... If when they look at me, all they see is the purity of the righteousness of Jesus, why should I feel ashamed in front of you? Or why should I let my own conscience make me feel guilty in looking at it or thinking about it? You're either clean or you're not. You're either forgiven are you not? Oh, come on, read it again. Read it again. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, do what? Purge your conscience. That means cleanse and purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You know, you can't serve God and be all condemned. There's people ought to be in service tonight with us and ought to be in service in other churches that won't come to church because they're so ashamed of what they've done and how they've messed up. They feel like, well, I'm not clean enough. I'm not good enough to go to the church. Well, if you're going by that criteria, it'd be absolutely empty. (laughs) Because all have sinned and messed up and come short of the glory of God. And people have goofy ideas 
that they have to, you know, maybe one day they get their act together and clean themselves up better and come on in and be a good person and be. A, you can't fix yourself. You can't. If you could fix yourself, Jesus wouldn't have had to come and do this. That's right. That's right. Well, the more messed up you are, and the more you've messed up, the quicker you need to get to church. <laughs> right? You need to hear the word. You need the washing of the water of the word coming over you. Getting the junk out of your head. Goofy thinking and lies and getting faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And right now you're getting more faith in the blood because you're hearing the word about the blood. I didn't write it. You didn't write it. I'm just shouting about it. You're saying amen. Thank you, Lord. You could get happy about that, couldn't you? Skip on over to verse uh, 16. You finish reading this while we're here. Just take the time. We don't need to get in a hurry. You know, some things you can move through a little quickly because people have got points of reference and previous teaching on it. But if something's kind of new to you, you've got to take your time. And sometimes you've got to stop and back up. Say it again. Do it again. Because it's not just hearing something. You want it lodged in your spirit. Right? Not just coming across your mind. Verse 16, he said, This is the covenant I'll make with them after those days, say the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Everybody say boldness. 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 That's the opposite of condemnation. Do you remember when um, Jesus told Peter to cast out, you know, uh, for a catch of fish? And he caught this huge uh, net of fish. And and Peter withdrew back in the boat and he said, Lord, uh, you need to go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. It's the greatest day Peter's ever had. He's heard a message like he's never heard before. He's caught the biggest catch of fish. This is money in his pocket that he's ever caught before. It's an amazing, amazing day. And he wants this man who's changed his life already to go away. That's what condemnation does to you. Condemnation causes you to draw back in fear, to pull away, to cower, to hide. But righteousness consciousness causes you to step up, to be bold, to draw near. If you're conscious of your sins and your mistakes, it's going to cause you to be beat down, hanging your head. Guilty feeling all the time. Shamed. Fearful. And the problem with that is if you're full of fear, you're not full of faith. And your fears will come on you. Very bad things in the works. Oh, but friend, when you know that you know that you know. That you really are forgiven. You really are cleansed. Hallelujah. 
then you can come boldly right to the very throne of grace. Is it true, friend? Boldly right to the throne. None of this bombarding the gates. None of this trying to get the saints to pray for you or to intercede for you. No, this is about you coming right to the throne. That's Bible. Hebrews 4, 16. Keep reading. Having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's how we're able to do it. Not because of what we've done. But by the blood. By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. Having a high priest over the house of God. Let us what? Let us do what? Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Notice what righteousness consciousness does to your faith. Allows you to be fully persuaded. Fully assured. That's why when they let the paralyzed man down through the roof in front of Jesus, you know what he's come for. He wants to be healed. But that's not the first thing Jesus talks to him about. What's the first thing he brings up to him? Your sins are forgiven you. Why? Because he's about to tell him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And unless you get that condemnation out of the way, you're not going to have the faith to do that. Can you see why the enemy is incessantly tempting us? It's not just so he can say, goody, goody, got you to sin. No. He really don't care about you and me one way or the other. He got no love in him. It's about defusing, just pulling the fuse out of the power of God in our life. If you don't mix faith with the power, there's no manifestation. And I don't care what's available to us or what the Lord's trying to get us to step into. If the devil can get us all condemned, then you'll have no confidence, no faith to step out. And if you don't step out in faith, Nothing's going to happen. Condemnation is the confidence killer. But thank God for the blood. I said thank God. Keep reading. Verse 21, having a high priest over the house of God. Do you know his name? Do you know his name? Jesus. Let us do what? Draw near with a true heart. With what kind of heart? What kind of heart? See, there's that honest heart again. With a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled or washed from a what? Evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Can you see this is the result of faith? In the blood of the Lamb. We said there are two parts to this. And the first one is what we've been talking about. Faith in the blood. Faith in the blood. For sins. Present. Sins past. No matter what you remember. You need to believe. 
that the blood is more powerful than what you've done. I've had people look at me and say, yeah, but preacher, you don't know what I've done. I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. It doesn't matter what you've done. Nobody's in hell for lying or stealing or murder or rape. All those sins have been taken care of by the blood of the Lamb. The only reason a person would be lost committing those sins if they refused to receive him and would not receive the blood cleansing and washing them from all those sins. His blood is greater than our sin. Said out loud, his blood blood is far greater greater than all my sins. sins. Every failure, every every mistake mistake is not to be compared to the power of his blood. I have faith in the blood. Do you? I have faith in the blood of the Lamb. By that blood, I'm sanctified. By that blood, I'm cleansed. By that blood, I'm redeemed. That's why I'm not going to hell. I'm not going. You going? No, I'm not going. I'm not going to hell. Have you lived a perfect life? No. I've made mistakes. I've messed up. But I'm not going to hell. I've had a few traumatic things happen to me throughout life in these few short years. But I don't have to live damaged. I don't have to live broken. I don't have to live in guilt. I don't have to live in shame. I don't have to live in the past. My conscience is purged, washed, purified. That means it's no longer a guilty conscience. It's a clear, clean conscience. If a person or the devil himself, the accuser of the brethren, tries to come put a finger in my face and said, you did this and you did that. You know what I say? Prove it. I happen to know some things. Prove it. Because there's only one judge of human spirits in all the universe, and it ain't the devil. It's the great Almighty who created the heaven and earth, who sits on the great throne. Hallelujah. I was messed up. I was in jail. But then my advocate came. The attorney for my defense came to see me. He said, listen, Keith, I got this. Now you keep your mouth shut and don't say anything except what I tell you to say. And here I got a book I want you to read. And you only say what I told you to say in this book. And I've got the rest. You let me take care of the rest. How many know? I don't care. You can have the best attorney in the world. And if you get on the stand and go, I did it. I'm guilty of sin. I did it. It's just me. You're done. I don't care who your attorney is. 
So when you take the stand, which you do every day in life, whether you know it or not, and the accuser of the brethren comes railing and accusing you of this and accusing, how do you plead? I plead innocent by the blood. Hallelujah. What? You were such and such. You said this. You did. You were a lousy, no good. You were this innocent. I plead innocent. Lord told me to say that. That's all I'm going to say. I plead. Why do you plead? Righteous. Sanctified, healed, delivered. The devil says, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, but you were this and you did this and you did that. Mm, I plead innocent. And so he wants to show proof. And he goes to show the video and it's not there. Because the blood has washed it all away. That's why I say, prove it. Prove it in the court that counts before the Father God. And the Lord will let him yap only so long, and then your advocate steps forward. And he says, Your Honor, my Father, (laughs) the accused, my brother, your son. You're feeling good about this already. The accused, my brother, your son, has testified to this court that he is innocent of all charges by the blood of the Lamb. And I present for the court's consideration my blood on the mercy seat. Exhibit A. The Father says the court has accepted that evidence. You've heard. The accused, my brother, your son, testify that he deserves no sickness, no disease. He pleads healed. Present for the court's consideration. Exhibit B, the stripes on my back. Father says the, the court has accepted that evidence. Do you see what we're talking about, friends? I'm telling you, if you will stay with what he told you to say and believe, the enemy has no hold in you. He has nothing to beat you up with or to keep you condemned or to keep you ashamed or to keep you embarrassed. Like I said, I mean, there are things and mistakes I've made. I wouldn't want to get up and publish and talk about it. But if you found out about something I messed up on, you can't make me feel ashamed. Because the glory and the lifter of my head, come on, are you listening, has forgiven me and he has cleansed me and he has washed me and I'm either clean or I'm not. And I am. I'm either washed or I'm not. And I am. I can believe that for me. I can't believe that for you. I can preach it to you, but you have to believe it for yourself. Would you receive it, my friends? Huh? Would you receive it? Come on, say it out loud. I plead innocent. I plead innocent. By the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Lord. So what are you guilty of? <laughs> I plead innocent. What sin does the blood not take care of? Now let's go to another part of this. That's the foundation. I mean, if you don't have that, you're, you're in trouble. And if you got that, everything else is attached to it. 
But uh, go to 1 John, please. We said sin is violation of light. For God to be the righteous judge of all the earth, he's got to be fair. And he is. He is completely fair. Totally. Don't you ever entertain any idea that he's not. You know, it's just total ignorance to shout and go, God, that's not fair. What, what are you saying? Well, life is not fair. You sure have already known that. Life, the world, but God is totally fair. Totally. If it doesn't look like it, it's something wrong with the way you're looking. But it's nothing wrong with him. Perfectly fair and just. And what is more fair than only holding you accountable and dealing with you according to what you see and according to what you know. And that's how he does it. James, we read, what did he say? To him that what? Knows to do good and doesn't do what he knows. Then to him, that's sin. Why? Because he knows something or she knows something that you're not doing. And so the Lord knows what you know. Doesn't he? I tell you, go to Romans 8 before you go to 1 John. We'll, we'll do it that way in that sequence. You must have faith in the blood of the Lamb. That that blood is able to wash and cleanse you from all sin. And even purge your guilty, shamed conscience. But you also, and I also, must walk in the light that we have, or elsewise our own heart will condemn us. That's not God condemning us. That's our own heart. But the result is you're still walking in condemnation. You're not free. What's the two things? Number one, faith in the blood of the Lamb. What's the second one? Walking in the light that you have. Look in Romans 8. You'll see this very clearly in these two passages, and it's in more than one place. Romans 8 and verse 1. Anybody got this one marked? Not it'd be a good one to mark. There's some folks getting free in here tonight. I, I, I can tell it. The blood has never lost its power, and it never will. That power is always ready, always available. We sing the song, it flows to the highest mountain, to the lowest valley. And it does anybody, anywhere, I don't care what walk of life, what kind of past failures or experiences, you reach up in faith for that blood, and it'll flow right into you, right here, right now. And your conscience will get purged, purified. And you, you don't have to live the rest of your life ashamed. Do you believe this or not? You don't have to live the rest of your life when you look back, hanging your head in shame and condemned. Well, I lied to somebody. Well, I, I cheated on my spouse. Well, I... I had an abortion. I did this and I did that. None of those sins 
are unforgivable are unwashable. As bad as they may be, there's something greater. Do you believe it or not? There's some, come on, do you believe the blood of the Lamb is greater than lying, stealing, killing, anything? Is it greater than anything? It's greater than anything. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, I mean, these soldiers that nailed him to that tree, they've got to be hard and cruel to do this every day, don't they? What have they done? What kind of atrocities have they committed? If they do this on a daily basis, you'd get hardened and callous to where human life didn't mean anything to you. What Jesus said, Father, forgive them. What does that mean? They are forgivable. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't realize what this is, how serious this is. Forgive them. You believe the Father heard that prayer? The ones that were hanging beside him. They said themselves, we deserve this. Now what did you do to deserve that? And yet one of them next to him says, remember me. (laughs) When you come into your kingdom, he says, you'll be with me. (laughs) This day in paradise. He committed some bad stuff. You know, he said, we deserve this. You deserve to be crucified? What did they do? Wasn't greater than the blood. I said it wasn't greater than the blood. And nothing you've done is greater than the blood. Nothing I've done is greater than the blood. Come on, somebody say, I receive it. I receive it. I receive my forgiveness. I receive my cleansing. I receive my conscience. Cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Glory to God. Put up your hand and thank Him for it. Say, thank you, Lord, for doing it. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for doing this for me. I have faith in the blood. I have faith in the blood. Be good for you. Does you say that the rest of the evening after you leave church tonight? When you're laying across the bed, get up tomorrow in your car, just say it out loud, I have faith in the blood. What does that mean? I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm forgiven. My conscience is perfect. I don't have to have a guilty conscience anymore. Now having that is the greatest thing there is. But then moving forward day to day, if you want to keep that clean conscience, you got to walk in the light that you have. In Romans 8 and 1, what does it say? There is therefore what? Now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I know that phrase is not in all modern translations, but it is just a couple of verses later in the same chapter. It's here. It's there. The last phrase I'm saying. You do have to walk in the light of what you have to stay free from the condemnation. You don't have to think too hard about that to realize that's obvious. To him that knows to do good and won't do it, how are you going to be able to go day in, day out and your conscience not bother you? 
you know. I'm not talking about what happened yesterday or last year that you believe you received forgiveness. But I'm talking about right now. Your heart's bothering you about doing this. You know you shouldn't do it. But you continue to do it. Well, you won't be able to escape the condemnation. Unless you're willing to repent. Unless you're willing to change. Unless you're willing to do what you know. It's no more complicated than that. Well, I don't know if it's sin, if it's not. There's no need trying to get into all that. If your heart bothers you about it, to you, it's sin. And unless and until your heart doesn't bother you about it, you can't do it without being in condemnation. So simple. I didn't say it was so easy. I said it was so simple. (laughs) Do what you know. That's the key to keeping your conscience clear. Keep reading it. Read down through a verse or two here. He said, There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There is no other way to get free from sin and death except through Him. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, for sin, condemned sin in the flesh... That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who do what? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You have to walk in the light of what you know to maintain this freedom from condemnation. There's some folks that try to muddy the waters, and they'll try to tell you that it, that doesn't matter, and you don't, but you don't have to think too far to see. It's obvious. You cannot violate your conscience and not have a sense of guilt. Go with me to first, first John. Two things necessary to have and maintain a clear conscience. Are there any benefits to having a clear conscience? Oh, oh. That's the fun part we get to get to a little later on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we've already touched on some of it. Well, you see it right here in 1 John. 1 John 1, verse 5. 1 John 1, 5. He said, this is the message that we've heard of him and declare to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. This is written to believers. Absolutely. Fellowship with the Father. God is light. And in him is what? How much? So much of our problems that we've encountered in life could be labeled under darkness. Confusion is darkness. Ignorance is darkness. The torment of not knowing, not being sure, is all the result of darkness. 
If you'd never been in this room before and all the lights were turned out and you're in the middle of a row, it could be challenging depending on what else was going on. You might trip over this. You might bump into this. And you might think, man, what a job to get out of here. It's only because it's dark. Because in full light, you just stand up and go, there's the aisle. There's the door. Choo, choo. But if you got enough darkness, I reckon it's possible to fumble around in here and fall and hit your head, knock yourself out, cut open an artery. Bleed to death. (laughs) Or, you know, if you're confused enough and disoriented enough, you could wander around in circles like the children of Israel did in the wilderness for decades and die from starvation in here and never get out. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's not impossible if you were delusional enough and disoriented enough. If there was enough darkness... In life, Christians are too used to too much darkness. They're just used to not knowing and to being confused. Y'all pray. What are we going to do? I don't know. Do you know? Let's pray. Pray what? I don't know. (laughs) It's just so hard. It's hard. What? That's darkness. Ignorance. Confusion. Torment of not knowing. Can you see Jesus ever doing that? Huh? Ever getting up and going, boys, cancel the meeting. I I don't feel good. And I just, I don't know, I'm having a crisis. I think I know kind of which way to go. But you know, I could be wrong. <laughs> and I just don't want to teach error. <laughs> I don't want to lead people astray. And uh, these Pharisees, man, <laughs> I just am fed up with them. <laughs> they got me off my game, son. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) why am I talking about this because I just described most of the body of Christ and people say well yeah but I'm just a man no you're not just a man or just a woman you were just a man or just a woman and you got saved and became a child of the most high And you got the greater one who came inside you, who is your 24-7 guide and teacher and helper. And you got an unction of the Holy One, and you know all things. Am I quoting scriptures? You and I can function in the unction. We can be flowing in the knowing. You can't, it's possible to get up every day and just know. Just, just know clearly. 
what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it. If that sounds strange and impossible, it's just because you've lived the wrong way too long. This is available to every child of God. But it requires a clear conscience. Keep reading here. He said, God is light. In him is what? No darkness. Now that's, it takes faith to try to comprehend that. The Almighty who claims you as his son or daughter sits on the throne. Pardon my English, but he ain't confused about nothing. You know what I mean by that or not? The Almighty sitting on the throne. If you asked him, what does the U.S. economy need to get out of this mess? He wouldn't pause and scratch his head and go, let me think. He knows the end from the beginning and everything in between. Why? Because he is light. And there is no darkness, which means no ignorance, no confusion, no tumult, nothing like that in him at all, at all, at all, nothing, none of that. Total light means total seeing, which means total knowing. When you got total light... You totally see it, and you totally know it, and you totally get it. If you're confused and you're tormented because you don't know, you're stumbling around in the dark. You need light. Keep reading. He said, if we say that we have fellowship with him, that's with God, and we walk in darkness, we are lying. That's plain. And we're not doing the truth. So if we're walking in darkness, we're not doing the truth. You shall know the truth. The truth will make you free. The entrance of his word, and his word is truth, he said, gives you light. So if you're stumbling around, tormented, clueless, bumbling, fumbling, can't find your way, and you say, but I I hadn't missed it anywhere. You're lying. (laughs) I'm doing everything I know to do. That's a lie. Don't leave me now. (laughs) I didn't write this. I'm glad I found it. Aren't you? If you say, I am walking with the Lord in all the light I have, but I can't figure this out, and I'm clueless, and I'm stumbling around. Mm-mm, sorry, no. You're lying. There's something you know to do that you didn't do. And if and when you do it, it'd clear up. The fogginess and the confusion would lift. And the light would shine on your path. And you'd know what to do. And how and where. People who are bogged up in their life. 
depressed, messed up, talking about Christians, or disobedient Christians. I know folks don't like that, but I'm reading the scripture here. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have not heeded our conscience when something came up. And it's dangerous because if you don't, and day after day you just keep pushing it down and ignoring it and pushing it down and ignoring it, after a while it doesn't bother you so much. It's dangerous because in the process of months and years, you can forget what he showed you. And you can imagine you're doing everything you're supposed to do. And you're not. And now you're deceived. The only solution, the only safety is when your conscience bothers you, deal with it now, right now. Keep your heart tender. Keep your conscience clear. Your life, your safety, your success, your healing, thing after thing depends on it. Keep reading. If we say we have fellowship with him, but we're walking in darkness, we're lying and we're not doing the truth. But if we walk in the light, if we do what? Another, another way of saying walk in the light is do what you know. Do what you know. Acknowledge that you see what you see. Acknowledge that you know what you know. And do what you know. Walk in the light. If you're walking in the light. Then you got fellowship with him. And the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses. That's present tense continuous. It cleanses and keeps on cleansing. Day and night. The blood never loses its power. Why? Because there's a lot of stuff you're messing up on. That you don't even know. But the Lord doesn't hold you accountable for what you've not yet seen nor understood. And the blood of the Lamb will cleanse you and keep you clean from the ignorance. Somebody say, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin. Now you need to keep in mind the previous verse. If you're walking in darkness and you say you have no sin. Then you're doing what? Who's deceiving you? You're deceiving yourself. And the truth's not in you. You have pushed the truth away. You saw something, but you didn't want that. You didn't want that to be so, and you didn't want to do that. You didn't want to make that change. So you pushed it away. Verse 9. If we confess our sins. Now this has to do with what you see and know. You'd have to know it to confess it. And yes, this is written to believers, Christians. Yes, it is. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, again, you need to go back to the context of the passage. If you say you haven't sinned and you're walking in darkness, then we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is the sad state 
of a lot of Christians. They're miserable. They're mad at God. They're mad at preachers. They're mad at family members. And it's everybody's fault but theirs. <laughs> and they want to try to convince you and everybody else, I'm doing everything I know to do. I've, all, I've done everything. I've done everything. And it ain't true. It's not true. Because if you're walking in all the light you have, you wouldn't be walking in darkness. Huh? You wouldn't be in a puddle of confusion and depression. You wouldn't be clueless about what to do. I know uh, years ago, there was an individual that I had prayed for. I prayed for him numerous times. Not just, you know, all in the same week, but over a period of time, they'd come up to my heart, and I knew they were struggling and having problems, and, and I, I was praying for them one day, Lord, please, you know, help them with this, do, do this for them, do that for them, and uh, this had been years, and, and the Lord interrupted me, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, like he'll speak to any Christian if you learn how to listen to him, he spoke to me strongly, he said, I told him two things, get a job and keep it. Go to church and be faithful. And until he does those two things, nothing else will happen. Man, I sat back, I thought, whoa. See, I was praying in the wrong direction. So many times people are, oh God, please do this, please. You don't know what he's already done. You don't know everything that's been said. Sometimes for years or decades. But you can't just ignore what he told you to do and make faith confessions and give offerings and life be amazing. Because if you're not doing what he told you to do, your heart's going to bother you. Condemnation's going to be there. And all that drawing back and and that fearing and, and your confidence won't be there. We must do what we know to do. If we want to have the victorious, miraculous life <laughs> that's available to us. Hallelujah. Skip on down to the third chapter. I think I can close with this. Is this okay tonight? You, hmm, I'm telling you, the Lord's helping us. I, I know that he is. I know that he is. Do you desire to have a totally clear conscience? Huh? Does, does walking in the light as he is in the light, does that sound really good? <laughs> Not being dumb and confused. <laughs> Full of self-pity and self-loathing and everything else. I mean, that's no child of God should live like that. People should look at us and see joy, freedom, right? Blessing. They should see our life and want to be like what we are. Know that they can be. In the third chapter, 19th verse, he said, hereby we know. You keep hearing that word. We what? Not wondering about it. Not in the process of figuring it out. We know that we are of the truth. And what will happen? We shall assure our hearts before him. Can you see this confidence? Fully persuaded. Fully assured. That's faith. Verse 20. For if our heart condemn us. What's condemning us? Not the Holy Spirit. That's our own heart. 
That's you condemning you. If our heart condemn us. Now you need to keep this in context. Chapter 3 comes after chapter 1. Doesn't it? This wasn't written in chapter and verse. It's a letter. And he was talking about walking in the light. And if you violated that light, confessing it and getting forgiven and cleansed. And all that flows into this. If your heart condemns you, why would your heart condemn you? Well, back to chapter 1, because you're walking in darkness. You're not doing the truth. Not doing what you know. And if your heart does condemn you because you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing or not doing something you know you should be doing, God is greater than your heart. I guess you knew that, right? And what? If your heart's bothering you about something, he already knows. Doesn't he? Wouldn't it be foolish to try to hide it? Keep it a big secret. (laughs) You know, the Bible said... uh, the Lord told Jonah to go preach to Nineveh. So he bought him a ticket and fled from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> and how did that work out for him? <laughs> you talk about a futile endeavor. Yeah. Fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Have you read the psalmist? He said, if I take the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the other most part of the earth, he said, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. If I go across the ocean, you're there. He's everywhere. Yes. Is he or not? Yes. You can't go somewhere. I mean, you can go get on the fastest airplane and go to the farthest, most remote island and hide behind the palm tree and God will say, hey, what are you doing here? You can't get away from him. And why would you want to? And you can't hide from him what you know. If your heart's bothering you about something, the smart thing to do is to go immediately to him and talk to him about it. He already knows, doesn't he? If your heart's bothering you, and you tell him, Lord, I messed up again. He's not going to go, what? (laughs) Again? No, read the scripture. He what? He already knows. He already knows. He already knows. Verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not. Here's where we get into the good stuff. If we can get in a situation where we do not have a guilty conscience... Watch what opens up to us. If our heart is not condemning us, then what can happen? We have confidence. No more groveling and hiding and crying and being depressed. This is stepping up. This is stepping out. We have confidence toward God. And verse 22, and whatsoever we ask, we get. We receive of him. Why? Because we're walking in the light. This was keeping his commandments. I know, same thing. The commandment is light. And you can't walk in the light of commandment you don't see yet. And he doesn't hold you accountable for what you really don't see. If you're keeping his commandments, in other words, you're doing what he's told you to do, 
you're doing what you know, what you see, and you're doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. Verse 23, this is his commandment, that we believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Believing on his son, Jesus, has to do with what we talked about the first half of the service, the blood, the sacrifice, his present day mediation for us, him, everything he's done, everything he He has done and is doing. And you'll find that the number one thing your heart's going to bother you about is failing in the love command. The main thing your heart's going to condemn you about is when you say and do things with other people not in love. You said something you shouldn't have said and your heart bothered you. You told somebody you're going to do it and you didn't do it. Your heart bothers you. Not walking in love is the main area. So many areas attached to that. And if you do, if you mess up, God already knows it. A lot of times the person already knows it too. What do you do? Immediately. Don't wait three days. Don't wait half a day. Immediately. A lot of times it's so much easier and better right there on the spot to go, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I, I don't mean that. That's not my heart. Or even if you did mean it, say, uh, I, I mean it, but I don't now. <laughs> I've changed. <laughs> I mean, don't lie. Because then you have to repent for saying that and lying, too. You're piling them up. So <laughs> back up to the previous verse. Let's read this one more time. Verse 21, I should say. Read it out loud with me. Beloved. If our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God and what else? Verse 22, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments, do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Does that sound like faith? That you, whatever you ask, you are absolutely positive that he heard you and that you believed you received confidence. Everybody say confidence. Confidence. And how can you be so confident and so bold and so sure and so fully persuaded? Because your heart is not condemning you. Your conscience is not bothering you. That don't mean you've never made a mistake. It means when you did make a mistake... You confessed it and received your forgiveness. And even if this morning you messed up on something, when you saw it, you started walking in the light that you had. You made the correction. And if you do that, you maintain a clear conscience. There is therefore now no condemnation to you. You're just walking in the light and walking in confidence. Can you say amen? amen? Everybody stand on your feet. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift up our hands. Let's thank him for the opportunity to walk in the light. Let's thank him for the privilege of having a purged, cleansed conscience. Amen. Y'all go ahead and sing. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.